return. And uh, thank you for that song, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm going to go about all the way through this chapter tonight in short, but I'm going to read the first three verses together uh, before we begin. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envies and strife and divisions, are ye, not, are, ye not, are ye not carnal and walk as men. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you for this passage of Scripture, the challenge that it gives to each of us, Lord, not to be carnal, not to be babes in Christ, but to grow in the Lord. I think of First Peter where you said, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray tonight would be a challenge to each of us, Lord, that we would grow nearer to our Lord and grow to be more mature in our spiritual walk with God. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, the title of the message is Don't Be a Baby, all right? Don't Be a Baby. Very deep title, right? Any of you growing up, look over. I often had to say it to my younger brother, um, Adam, and Pastor Adam. Don't be a baby, man. And uh, no, I'm t- <laughs> he's, he's storing it up. He's, he's thinking of it. He, you know, he's got a list of stories, a running list of stories for illustrations. You have it on you? Look at that right there. A running list, two-sided, all right, and I'm going to start my own list, all right, and boy, am I going to embellish it, all right, and, uh, but no, uh, you know, you ever growing up, and maybe you were told that, or you told someone else, don't, quit, quit being a baby, don't be a baby, and, uh, you know, there's something about babies when they're little, boy, we, we, they're really, they're some, they're very precious, aren't they? Uh, last night, I, I, went for a, I went for a walk. It was a little bit later, and I asked, who's going with me for a walk? And the girls deserted me, but the boys all went with me, all right? So we went walking, and uh, we went for a walk there through the, park, through the neighborhood. And as we were walking through, I knew Ty, Nathaniel only gets so far. As a matter of fact, by the time we get to the top of the hill, he's starting to wane a little bit. But he hung on. He hung along, got up the top of the hill, down around, around the block, down another hill. But on the way back up, before we went down into our, our yard, he started saying, Dad... He said, Dad, pick me up, pick me up, pick me up, lifting his arms up. And so I picked him up and I put him on my shoulders. And uh, as we're walking back, he grabs me around my chin and he starts pulling up. And he says, Dad, I'm picking you up, I'm picking you up. I'm like, you're not picking me up, you're choking me, all right? You're choking me. And uh, then he says, start bouncing. So there I am going up. My neighbors think I'm probably weird. I'm going down, up and down the street, you know, doing the love lifted me thing while my kid is choking me. And, uh, but, you know, I, I enjoy it, all right? I enjoy it. I, I'm watching him as he gets older and he's coming out of that, you know, that real little baby stage, obviously. I'm looking at my boys and as they grow older, Samuel's 11 this year in sixth grade. He'll be going into seventh grade next year. And, you know, I, I love seeing them when they're little. I'm also thankful as they grow older. You know, it's one of those things I'm sure at uh, a little bit bittersweet sometimes. You know, you like to hold those little ones in your arms, but also I'm thankful they're growing, growing up and growing older. Um, I uh, enjoyed probably one of the great privileges of my life was last weekend getting to preach with my dad and, and my three brothers. And God has, God has put all of us into ministry, for which I'm very thankful for. And Matthew pastors there in Rowlett, Texas, Texas Victory Baptist Church. All his, boy, his boys are getting older. I think uh, Andrew is what, 22, something like that. They're all tall, like over, they've got his 6'2", maybe more than that, some of them. And man, they're, they're big, all right? Not just tall, they're strong, all right? And did they get you down the other day? 
they went to wrestle. They said they, they held Uncle Adam down. Uh, he denies it, but I didn't see it happen, all right? So I don't know. But, but I'm watching. It was a joy to be able to preach with my dad and, and have that privilege. And well, I don't know whether that's what God will do with my boys or my girls, you know, whether God will put them into ministry. I'll be thankful if, if they follow God and serve him, whatever area it is God places them in. But, um, but it was a privilege. Uh, you know, we, we appreciate children when they're little. But we sure do want them to grow, don't we? We want them to grow. I think of that in the spiritual life. Everybody appreciates a newborn babe in Christ. And my dad will tell you, a few things bring joy to the church, like newborn babes in the Lord Jesus Christ. When they come to know the Lord as, the, as their Savior, and Job is Job, and tithe is tithy, and, and all those things that you always hear. And, but there's a joy in watching people come to know Christ as their Savior. But it's, it's miserable when people stay in that place, isn't it? It's miserable. And this passage of Scripture is a challenge to us to continually grow in our Christian life. I think think there is, if we're not careful, there's a tendency to stagnate in the Christian life. Uh, You know, though though the steps of change in our life may not be as drastic as the day we were first saved and the changes thereafter, there ought to be continual growth in the Christian life. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a call, friend to grow spiritually more each and every day, to be more like Christ, to know him better, to be in his word, to let him shape and change our life each and every day. Uh, With the Lord, I I believe this all in my heart when it comes to growing. You you are either growing further or you're going in reverse. There's no neutral with God. And a matter of fact, I don't put my car in neutral very often, all right, because neutral isn't really neutral, is it? It's forward or backwards. It's just out of control. But I think in the spiritual life, if we're not careful, it can be that way. And this passage of Scripture really calls out some things Paul dealt with in that church at Corinth. And boy, 1 Corinthians is a little bit of rebuke to the church there. 2 Corinthians, boy, is a little bit better as it comes around to that. But in this passage of Scripture, there is a challenge. There's the challenge is this, don't be a baby Christian. It's okay to start there, but he was specifically dealing with this carnal nature. And I just want to highlight some things in this passage of Scripture that the Bible says about this, this baby Christian. First of all, we see, I think this, babies always want their own way. Babies always want their own way. Look at verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Verse 3. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not yet carnal and walk as men? Boy, you know, a mark of, a, of spiritual immaturity is someone who always wants their own way. Always wants their own way. I'm reminded of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You know the scripture well. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but ye be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of who? God. What is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God? God does not call me to be in search in the good and acceptable and perfect will of Satan. But the good and acceptable and perfect Will of God. And he says this, as a matter of fact, he, he tells me this, that, that I, I must be willing to present my body a living sacrifice, which is your, your, just, your simply reasonable service. You know, the mark of, of spiritual immaturity is someone who is always in pursuit of their own way. Their own want. I, I think of Nathaniel. And you know what, Nathaniel, uh, and, you know, and, and, and when he's little, you know, the, the little ones, they, they just want... They're always in pursuit of what they want. Even, matter of fact, a child from the moment it enters the world is that way. 
When they're hungry, feed me. When they need change, change me. Hold me, all of those things. And they're little children. We do that, and we actually enjoy doing it. Well, until they're just screaming, screaming, all right, right? We enjoy it to some extent, but you can't stay that way, can you? You can't stay that way. Always looking for what you want. Always desiring it right now, right on my time, right when I want it. And, and uh, in this church, there was a serious problem of people wanting what they wanted. Matter of fact, he would rebuke them for the sin that had found its way into the church as a result of people wanting what they wanted and just desiring their own way first. I'm 43 years old now, and I have a wife, and I have five children, and the call to, the, to a man, right, is not to do what he wants first, but do what he should. Matter of fact, I would say this to young men, one of the marks of a, of a, of a man is that he learns to do what he should. Uh, you know, boys do what they want, men do what they should. And I, I have a wife that God calls me to love provide for, to protect, to to care for, to spiritually lead. I have four or five children that God calls me to raise up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, to grow them spiritually and, and to take care of them and watch over them. And I'm not supposed to be in pursuit of what I want, but what God has called me to do. I will find you this. If you get on the right page with God, you will soon want what he wants. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he will give thee the desires of thine heart. But there is a mark, you know, we we must come to a place where it is less about pursuing what we want and more about pursuing what he wants. What my hope is, is that my children grow up and grow older, that they learn to put off a little bit of what they want. When they walk into the classroom to put off what you want and do, we'll get to your studies. Am I right? To, to grow and mature in their, Christian, in their life, in their spiritual life, in their physical life. And yet this church wasn't learning that. They were in pursuit of what they wanted. Spiritual maturity is when someone learns, what does God have for me? That's what I will pursue. The world's always telling you to seek out your own heart, seek out what you enjoy and find those things and pursue those things. And God calls us to pursue the will of God to pursue the will of God. And I I think this, the greatest joy in the Christian life is knowing and fulfilling the will of God in your life. I think life and life more abundant is to know and fulfill the will of God. There's no question that God's general will for all of us is is the same in many ways. We're to be conformed to the image of his dear son. We're to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We go through the general will of God, but there is the specific will of God, isn't there? For me, God put me into ministry and, and put me into to full-time service uh, here at Columbus, Georgia. For some, it may be a foreign field. Some folks, he wants to be mechanics, doctors, lawyers, electricians. God has vocations for people and places he wants them to go as they serve him. I believe it with all of my heart. God has a will for people. And the greatest joy of the Christian life is finding the will of God and fulfilling the will of God. I, I tell you this, there, there is this reality that uh, I, churches cannot be filled with preachers, can they? Or it'd be awful loud in here and nobody to preach to, right? But, but the call is that we would know and do the will of God. And yet so many times we are purposely pursuing what we want out of every aspect of life. That's a miserable Christian existence and it's certainly not what God has for us. 
I expect my, my little one, and I'm shaping and growing him to just want his own way. And sometimes a word he needs to hear is no. Right? It's, it's, a, it's a terrible thing to watch a little one who's never been told no, right? Matter of fact, we live in a day and age when people are afraid to tell their little ones no, and they try to, to make everything easy for them, everything go just right. And it's good for them to hear no. Brother Nadaski mentioned the other day, it's, we were talking about something. It's good for young people to struggle at times. It's good for struggle. You grow through struggle, friend. You grow through struggle. It's all right not to be in pursuit of our will all of the time. This church was a people that, that he would rebuke. They, the little ones, they always want their own way. They want their own things. The call to you and I as a Christian is to yield ourselves to the Lord. Well, will you yield to the need to walk with him tomorrow in your devotions? Will you yield to the need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will you yield to what he's doing in your life? Spiritual growth comes as we yield to the work of God in our life. Not wrestling with his will, but yielding to his will. To let God do a work in our life, to recognize he's working. We sang the, the song a, a few minutes ago, but they that wait upon the Lord... Waiting on God, yielding to the work of God. And a mark of spiritual maturity is the Christian who can learn to wait on the Lord and to yield to his working in their life. We must come to the place where we are not always after what we want, but what he wants. Babies cannot learn difficult lessons. Look at verse 2. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. Here was some, he looked at them and he said, boy, you're still on the milk of the word. You can't take the, the meat of the word. He said, you're not learning the, babies cannot learn the difficult lessons of life. The difficult lessons of God's word. Boy, not all of God's word is meant to be easily swallowed. Uh, you know, uh, it's not a Dr. Seuss book, is it? Not only, not only in what is written, but in the truths that God calls us to live out by the strength of His Holy Spirit in our life. It's not always easy. Little babies struggle with the, the hard, difficult lessons of life. Matthew 13, 20-21 says, But he that received the seed into the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath he not root in himself... But dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. There's no root, no depth. He disappears. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14 says, Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you're a dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become as such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth unto them that are of a full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The call. 
Uh, you know, I, I, am, I am a meat eater, all right? I, I love it. A matter of fact, I said this in Sunday school, and I'll say it again. I don't believe you've eaten unless something has died, okay? I, I am a believer in that, all right? If, if, if there's salad on the table, that, that's great, but there has to be something that died next to it, all right? And uh, some animal, all right? Some chicken, some, well, certain things. I, I was at a Mexican restaurant today, and I saw these people bring this fish out. They brought a fish out to someone's table, and it was, they had this thing over the plate, and this fish was just dangling, the whole fish there eyeballs, everything, just looking. And, and I saw the waiter and I said, man, what is that? He said, it's carp. I thought, carp? I didn't even know you could serve that in a restaurant. I'm hoping he just had a hard time translating it to English is what I was hoping. All right, it didn't look like a carp to me. But, but, uh, but I was thinking, boy, that, that type of thing, I, you could just give me the salad, please. All right, give me all the lettuce you want to give me. All right. But, uh, but I, I enjoy that. And I think when it comes to the Word of God, the milk of God's Word is a great thing to start because we grow thereby, according to the book of Peter. But to grow to the meatier parts of the Word of God in our study and our search of the Scriptures. But not only that, the combination of the hard circumstances of life in light of God's Word. James 1 tells us this. Uh, he said, Count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The trial of life combined with the, the, the word of God is what grows a Christian. Trials, I, I believe this, trials without faith in God's word will destroy a man. Trials with faith in God's word will strengthen a man. What I do in the trial is what determines whether I grow spiritually or, or whether I am crushed in it. To run to the Scripture, to run to the Word of God. And look, I, I recognize this. I, I have little ones in my house. And uh, look, I, I do not expect them to learn all the hard circumstances of life. Matter of fact, you can crush a child by being too hard on them, can't you? I realize that they can't take them all. As they grow older, we, we teach them more. We let them know more. We let them see the harder circumstances of life. And we nurture them and grow them as those things come their way and in their life. And as a Christian, we are meant to take the hard circumstances of life combined with the Word of God and grow in it. Spiritual babies, friend, the, they, they cannot handle the hard lessons of life. Life has its hard lessons and God lets them come our way, but he gives us the incredible word of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life to grow us in them and through them. There is the call. Take the hard issues of life. Take the word of God. Grow in them. I, I, we, we jokingly say it. Don't, don't be the baby that is crushed by the weight, but be the mature Christian who grows through the trial and the working of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in our life. And uh, we see this, babies, uh, babies in this passage of Scripture, they, don't, they, don't, they always want their own way. Babies cannot learn the difficult lessons of life. Babies are apt to quarrel. Verse 3, it says this, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envies and strife and divisions, are ye, not yet, are ye not carnal and walk as men. Boy, talk about some horrible, horrible fighting there going on in that place of Scripture. I've got five kids, all right, and uh, sometimes they'll start going at it just a little bit, all right, and uh, I'm a believer in the paddle, all right, and uh, if you're not, I'm sorry, it is in the Bible, all right, I don't have time to go there tonight, but every once in a while, I'll take it, and I'll just lay it on the table, 
I mean, that's just whoosh, right? Just lay it on the table. I don't even have to do anything. Just lay it on the table. And all of a sudden, things get, they start to change, right? But the quarreling, the going at each other. I jokingly said it about my brother Josh. I preached with him last week. He and I used to go at it like crazy, all right? I think we argued for the sake of arguing. As a matter of fact, we could argue about things we agreed on. Anybody have a, a, a sibling like that? I mean, you agreed with them, but you came to the conclusion in a different manner. So you argued that your way of coming to the same conclusion was the right way to do it. All right. And uh, we, would, we would fight over things and, and things of that nature. And Pastor Adam always just tried to get in the middle of it. And you want to see a fight, just stand in the middle. All right. And uh, no, I'm teasing. He didn't do that. But, but, uh, but used to quarrel and that quarreling. But hey, I enjoyed the fellowship with my brothers as an adult absent that not tell you what if we took the time we could do it but the reality is a spiritual christian learns not to only by pride cometh what contention only by pride there's another verse in in proverbs that says surely the churning of the milk bringeth forth butter and the ringing of the nose bringeth forth blood so the forcing of wrath bringeth forth strife he that passeth by meddling with strife belonging not to him is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. These folks were, had divisions. They were carnal. They walked as men. Fightings in the church and fightings among themselves. And, and, and I believe this as, as a Christian, that ought not be our makeup, right? Hey, it's a good thing to contend for the faith. The Bible calls us to contend for the faith, to stand for truth, to preach truth. We ought not be quarrelsome people. Babies are apt to quarrel. Babies are caught up with personality. Look at verses 4 and 5. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Paulus, are ye, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? Boy, they, they had, some were saying it was Paul that brought me to Christ. Others said it was Apollos that brought them to Christ. And they were arguing over personality. We live in a personality-driven world. Social media does that in a big way, doesn't it? Or people famous for nothing, right? They're just famous for posting pictures. I'm like, wow, you're just famous for doing absolutely nothing, all right? And, uh, but we're a personality-driven culture. We see it in politics. Someone in live and die by someone just because of their personality. And uh, if we're not careful, that becomes who we are. we are. We are driven by the personality of somebody rather than the truth that is being spoken. Paul told Timothy this, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. John 8, 31 through 32 says, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. People don't make people free. Truth makes people free. Personalities don't make people free. Truth makes people free. We are not meant to be driven by personality or who someone is or, or how they speak or whether we like it, the eloquence of it or the look of them or all of those things. We are to be driven by the truths of God's word. Matter of fact, the Bible says the grass withereth and the flower faded. That's the comparison to people. But the word of our God shall stand forever. I'm 43. I, I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to see folks that I looked up to as a young person fall and no longer be around today. I'm old enough to see that. It's where I've seen folks, I looked to those people, I saw them and I saw their stand and all of those things. And yet today you'd be hard pressed to find them in ministry. 
I am thankful that my faith wasn't rooted in a person, or at least that person. I'm thankful it was rooted in the person of Jesus Christ, but the teachings of the Word of God. We're living in a personality-driven culture. Did you say it smoothly enough? Did you say it nicely enough? Did you, did you use the right, the right illustrations and PowerPoints and all those things? How about just give me the truth? Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Give me the truth of the word of God. And if I see it in the word of God, that is good enough for me. It's a personality driven culture. People pursuing other teachings and things all, all out there in the world. And uh, there's a great benefit in social media and all those things. There's also a great downfall. People following people they don't even know. Their moral life. Personality-driven culture. God calls us to be driven by the truth. We sang the song in the morning service, standing on the what? The promises of God. A sure way to be disappointed is to stand upon personality. It's to stand upon people. Because the grass withereth and the flower fadeth. But the word of our God shall stand forever. People fall, people disappoint, people fail, but God never does. Here was a church, he rebuked them. Number one, there's a carnality. They were fighting among one another, but then they were building their life based upon personality. He said, Paul, Apollos, it was neither of us. It was God. It was God. Hey, look, we we give it. Most of us, how many of you know the person who shared the gospel with you? How many of you know when you trusted Christ? You know who they were? Me too. All right. But we know who led us, and I am thankful for them. I hope to be that person for another person. My prayer is that I get to be that person that someone remembers, that fellow led me to Christ. But my faith doesn't rest in that person. It rests in the person they told me about. It rests in the the person that I was called to preach under when they were preaching. Um, he's out of jail now, but he was in jail. And I was talking to a preacher one time, and it was a, it was a sickening thing when it all happened in my own heart personally. There was that year, five fellows that I knew that had an influence in my life that fell morally and no longer in ministry. And I remember the year, it was, it was, um, it was 2010. I was pastoring my first pastorate, and I was there pastoring, and that year five different men fell. And a fellow said, you remember something wasn't him who called you to preach. It was God who called you to preach. It may have been the message, but it's the Holy Spirit of God who spoke to your heart. Your faith doesn't rest in a person, any person on this earth. It rests in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope that I can always be counted on by my children. But the reality is, the sad reality is, they can't always count on me. Because I'm human. I strive to always be always faithful. But let's be honest here tonight. We all need the grace of God. And the reason we need the grace of God is because there's not a one in this room who can say they are perfect. The biggest mistake, one of the biggest mistakes you can make to your children is let their faith rest in personality rather than the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. Follow those, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow the people in your life as they follow Christ. Follow them. You follow them as they follow Christ. Matter of fact, I loved it about the church at Berea. They were more noble than those at Thessalonica because they searched the scripture to see if these things were what? 
so and true. Is it right? I hope you I hope you go and search the scripture on your own. I hope your spiritual growth doesn't end in the message, but continues through the week. There is to be a challenge in our life. They babes are apt to quarrel. Babies are caught up with personality. Babies play when big things are happening. Babies play when big things are happening. Look at verse six. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. My boys, I'll tell them sometimes, they'll do something foolish. And the Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. And uh, there are certain things. They'll say, if you do something foolish, I'm coming for you, right? It's foolishness. And it's bound in the heart of us, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them. They'll say, I'll tell you something, guys. There's often a difference between foolishness and fun. And here it is. Time and place, right? Do you know... I like driving fast. Uh, I won't tell you the fastest I've ever gone in a car, all right? I will tell you in the moment it was foolish because it wasn't on a racetrack. Now, it's fun. Pastor Adams, you go and you go over to Atlanta and get in the car. And matter of fact, for our men's salt conference, guys, we're going to give away an experience where if you want, if you win it, you can go over to Atlanta and race, I think. What are the different cars? I think there's Corvettes sports cars and all that type of thing. And you can get as fast as you can get that car going around the track. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's fun, all right? And, uh, but the difference is, that's fun. But now if you do it out here on Rose Hill, that's foolish, right? It's foolish. As you grow, you learn not to play and be foolish. You know, another thing foolish is playing around when big things are happening. Playing around. Uh, Nathaniel, all, he, he just wants to play. Boys want to throw the football. They come in Sunday morning, and I get in the truck in the morning, and they say, Dad, who is Atlanta playing? Who are the Falcons playing? I said, Son, we're not thinking about the Falcons right now. We're going to church, all right? There's bigger things happening. The greatest gathering of all isn't going to be the one that's happening in a stadium in Atlanta. It's going to be the one happening in church until the day we get to glory. And that greatest assembly of all, and all of us are up there, the greatest assembly ever to gather on this earth is what's happening right here tonight. Let not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. The other time the word assembly there is used, that Greek word it's used in Thessalonica concerning the gathering us together of ourselves up in glory. This is the great, greatest gathering outside of that one when we get to glory. Don't play when big things are happening. When it's time to share the gospel, don't you find yourself playing. You find yourself sharing the gospel. It is all right to have a good time, but don't you play around when big things are happening. I'll tell you something, friend. There's a verse. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he that which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according to his work shall I be, shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Revelations 22:20. 20, he which testify these things saith, surely I come quickly. 
Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. He is coming, friend. And he's coming soon. And if we're not careful, we'll be found playing around when he comes. I don't know about you if you've paid any time. I'm sure all of us have paid attention to what's going on in Israel. I'll, I'll give you good news. Hamas loses. And I, and I know it because the Bible says so. All right? People have been trying to exterminate the people of Israel for a very long time. They're God's people. They're not getting anywhere. Pray for the peace of Israel, the Bible tells us. But do you know there's coming a day in the tribulation when someone's going to come along and provide a peace treaty? And there's going to be peace during the time of the tribulation. You ever wonder if this turmoil is God's allowing to come on the scene so that someone else can come along and bring peace for a time? And that maybe soon you and I are going to be out of here? Now, I don't know that for sure. But I'll, soon, I'll tell you this, someday's going to be your last day. And it could be today. It could be tomorrow. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be playing around when it happens. I don't want God to look at me and say, what are you doing? Let the unjust be unjust still. Let the filthy be filthy still. Let the holy be holy still. What is he saying? There's coming a day when it's too late to change. There's coming a day when if you're a lost man, you're a lost man still. If you're unholy, you're unholy. If you're holy, you're holy still. There's coming a day when that trumpet's going to sound. You and I are going to be out of here seven years of tribulation. And friend, time is up for everyone. There's coming a day when your state is who you are going to be. If you are without Christ tonight, it could be that tomorrow you have no more chance. You are destined for an eternity in hell if our Savior comes. There is this reality that there's coming a day when those folks will have no more chance. Don't be playing around. In times when I've looked my boys in the eyes and said, quit playing around. It's not the time. We can play around later, but now's not the time. And I tell you, I'm afraid so many times that in our blessed society, we are playing around rather than busy with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all kinds of other things on our menu and on our life that are keeping us from doing the most important thing. Have you shared the gospel lately, friend? And let me ask you, what were you doing instead? What are you doing instead? I'm not saying that every moment has to be out there knocking on. There's times when we need to rest and relax and recruit coop because we are, we are human. And this flesh is, grows weak, doesn't it? And we should use our rest and our relaxation to recharge us physically so we can get back in the battle. To get back in it. But babies, babies are playing when big things are happening. We see it in services sometimes, forgive me. People playing when big things are happening. Let God work. Let God work. Here's the call, and not only this, we see this. Babies have no proper sense of value. There was a time not that long ago, our, our utensils, our silverware started disappearing. I'm like, where are the spoons? I tried to get, stir, put sugar in my coffee and stir it up, and there's no spoon. And, and my wife is like, I don't know, they're all disappearing. Do you know what was happening at the same time? Nathaniel was learning to clear the table. That's what was happening at the same time. And I know where they all went, the trash, all right? They're going in the trash. He did not understand. This is not a plastic throwaway fork. All right? It's not, it's not a throwaway thing. 
No value. They don't understand value, do they? They don't have a sense of value. Look at verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. Well, let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Babies don't understand value. My kids, the younger, the older they grow, the more they understand, but they don't understand the cost of a dollar. What they understand is what they get for their birthday or something. They didn't have to work like I had to work for it or you had to work for it. They don't understand it. You know, there are baby Christians who do not understand the prop or do not have a proper sense of value. They're building their life on the temporary as if it's the most valuable. In reality, it's the cheapest thing in the world. It's the most temporary thing out there. And, you know... If I don't use appropriately what God has entrusted me with in this life, it will burn and it will fade away. I am taking nothing I have in this life with me. Nothing. Not a bit of it. And the time that I have, the, the, the talents that I have, few they may be, the, the finances that God gives me are meant to be used in a way that lays in store in the eternal, that we have a proper sense of value. A proper sense of value. My kids, they, they don't have that value. They, they take things, I'm like, be careful with that, right? Be careful. We understand the value of what it took to get it. And Christian, mature Christians understand what is valuable and what is not. What is not. I am meant to be living for the eternal. I can take the souls of men with me. How I live by the word of God, whether I'm using things in line with his word, and take it with me into eternity. If I'm living for the things of this world, I'm going to be sorely disappointed when I see my Jesus. You say, how do you know? Because that's what that Bible test says right there. Some will be saved, yet so as by fire. You know, there's mercy in the fire, isn't there? Anybody have some things, don't raise your hand, but some things you're not very excited about in your past? You're a Christian, you're not very excited. When I get to heaven, I'm going to be sorry to carry that in, but I'm going to be glad when it burns up. Right? There's mercy in that flame. It's going to be burn up and it's going to be gone. And so as much as I hate to say, I hope I, I hope I don't have a whole lot of kindling. I'm thankful that God's going to burn it away. He also says he's going to wipe every tear from our eye, doesn't he? We're going to have good reason to cry someday when we get to glory. I think we're going to see those stand before the great white throne judgment and hear, them, hear God tell them, depart from me for I never knew thee. And we're going to recognize I knew that person. And I never shared the gospel. I knew them. I saw them. They lived across the street from me. I interacted with them in my life. And I never shared the gospel. And we're going to hear, 
Depart from me, for I never knew thee, and they'll be cast forever. That happens in the very next chapter, just a few verses down. It says, God will wipe the tears from our eyes. We're going to have good reason to cry. But the mercy of God is that he'll wipe it away. But that fire, some of the things in our life is going to go in there and it's going to burn away. But some of it will come through the flame. The things done for God, the way that he called, the investments given the way they should will come through the flame. Those crowns in our hand, those jewels in our hand that God has been so gracious to give us as a result of our faithful service for him. And what will we do with it? Revelations talks about those elders who cast their crowns at the Savior's feet as they worshiped him. I'll have the opportunity to lay them at the feet of the one who died on Calvary for me. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done for me. Friend, have a proper sense of value. Babies have no sense of value. Maybe Christians don't understand value. They don't realize that the moments you have may be your last and how them use them, you use them matters for an eternity. The things, the financial benefits that God has given you, the blessings that God has given you, he gave them to you on purpose that you would use them. Not only for yourself, but for his kingdom. So use it wisely. The talents that God has given you, he gave them to you to put into use for him. God has given us different things in different ways to serve him. And, and I hope I don't leave the talent I have sitting on the shelf. Now I'm still looking for that talent. All right, it's well hidden. All right. But I want to be used. Babies don't understand value. They miss it. But the spiritually mature recognize this is valuable here. Maybe this over here, not so much. I enjoy football. I do. I enjoy it. I enjoy watching it. I used to enjoy playing it, all right? I still enjoy playing it and just more of an obstacle than any, anything else, all right? Just get in the way. Try to do some tackling. All right, here it is. We'll see, all right? But, uh, but you know what? I'll enjoy it, but I don't want to live my life for it. Mm-mm. Would I, would I, I would not be excited if my kids became a professional baseball player. Not at all. Using your Sunday to hit a ball. Using your day to throw one up the field, to kick it around, to put it through a hoop. Are you kidding me? Use it to get some relaxation. Use it to grow in your character a little bit. Teach them about winning and losing and struggle. But to spend your life on it? No, sir. No, sir. No way, Jose. Don't spend your life doing that. Spend your life serving Jesus. We live in a blessed culture. And don't use the blessings for the things that have no value whatsoever. Babies don't recognize value. Adults, we recognize value. Don't want to waste that dollar. It's only a dollar. It took something to get that dollar. It took something. Have you noticed it costs more to eat? Go to the grocery store, go to the restaurant. You go in there and you eat and then you think, huh, I'm not sure. They're awful proud of their food. 
I'm thankful for it, but you know, I think next time I'm eating peanut butter and jelly at home, all right? Here it is. We recognize the value. The call is from Paul to the church at Corinth. Don't be a baby. Don't be a baby. Run to the word. The call is babies always want their own way. Rather than wanting your own way, give in to God's way. Babies don't learn difficult lessons. Mature Christians learn from the lessons of life as they run to the scripture. Babies are apt to quarrel. Christians are peacemakers. Babies are caught up with personalities. Mature Christians are caught up with the scripture. Babies play when big things happen. Adult Christians labor in the big things. Babies have no proper sense of value. Spiritually mature Christians recognize the value of the eternal. The eternal. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for the word of God. I, or what a convicting passage of scripture. <clears throat> or we can look at this passage of scripture and we can see our own faults and failings. But I'm thankful that I can look to a God who is merciful and graceful. As much as <clears throat> that, that the day is coming when we'll stand before the Lord, we also have a gracious God who grants mercy in those times. I pray, Lord, that we would live, though, today, tomorrow, this week, with the reality of eternity, and we would grow in our relationship with the Lord, and we would live as mature Christians, not as babes in Christ, but growing mature Christians in the Lord, day by day, growing to be more like Christ. Heads bowed and eyes closed. How many of you can say, preacher, I know that I'm saved. That's a settled thing for me. There's a moment in my life, a time in my life, when I put my trust in Christ. If I died right now, I know I'm going to be with him. That's your testimony. Raise your hand, would you? You say, preacher, I know that I'm saved. Thank you. You may put your hand down. Is there anybody here tonight say, preacher, I'm unsure about that? I don't even know that I'm a babe in Christ because I don't know that I've ever been born again. I'm not sure that I'm saved, but I want to settle that this evening. I want to know Christ as my Savior. Well, if that's your testimony, would you raise your hand and say, Preacher, would you pray for me, please? Let me ask you this, Christian. How many would say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart? Maybe it's just a folk. I don't think I preached something new tonight for many of you, but maybe the Lord made it fresh in your heart. Maybe it's a certain area that God said, Hey, hey, don't labor. Put the proper value on something. What is it that matters for an eternity? What is it in the scripture? And look at it as, as we look at that, not only hey, the big things that are happening. Don't play when big things are happening. Time is short. Time is short. But you say, hey, preacher, the Lord has spoken in my heart this evening. Would you raise your hand as a testimony? Would you stand with me as the pianist plays? As God has spoken in your heart, the altar is open. And as God has spoken in your heart, do business with the Lord this evening. <laughs>